It's time to get all set for Sunday, a podcast for busy and distracted Catholics with your hosts, Scott Williams and Jeff Trailer. When I hear the coffee brewing, I think, what the heck we doing? Because I got barely any sleep last night. As the diaper bag I pack with hot wheels, dollies, and some snacks, I say, oh, pray there'll be a seat in the cry room this time. It's all right, because I'm all set for Sunday. It's all right, cause I'm all set for It's all right, cause I'm all set for It's all right, cause I'm all set for Sunday Welcome to All Set for Sunday, a podcast for busy and distracted Catholics to be a little more prepared for Sunday Mass. My name is Scott Williams. My co-host is Jeff Trailer. Hi, Jeff. Hi, Scott. What's up, man? I'm, I'm feeling well-rested after our vacation week last week. What do you mean? Well, we didn't do a podcast last week. Oh, vacation! And from by vacation, the I mean I forgot to book a guest, <laughs> so we didn't, and we didn't realize it until Wednesday, and then we didn't have a podcast. So, yeah, and who or was, I mean, who was here and decided they didn't want to do the do the podcast? Oh, it's Father Peter. Oh, Father Peter Marshall. Yeah, he came by. Was here. I said, "Hey, we need a podcast guest. You want to record?" And he said, "No, losers. I'm out of here," I, or something along those something. lines. Something. Something like that. I think he just said, no, I've got to get back to work. But we'll go with either way. <laughs> but, but this week we have a guest, Father, Father Dufresne. How are you today? I'm doing well. What's been the best part of your day so far? Um, I enjoyed lunch with two brother priests. Yeah? Um, so was it a beer lunch? Um, Father Peter Marshall was there. Oh. <laughs> so, um, but of course, the best part of my morning was... Holy Mass. Oh, okay. so. good answer. Yeah. Good answer. Yeah, got it. Check. Okay, fine. Um, also, Father Dufresne's joining us live here. We've, uh, we've had many conversations with him uh, over the internet, but he walked in here and I said, it's nice to see you. And then I was like, wait, have we ever actually seen each other in person? And I think we determined we had, but it's nice to have that familiar face and you get to join us here at Sacrilegious Headquarters. And Things are so much better in person. Yeah. yeah. Good times. I, that's all I got to say. That that's that's your segue today. <laughs> yeah, good times. Speaking of good times, let's talk about the readings. Awesome. <laughs> all right, thirty second uh, Sunday in ordinary time. You know, we'll I get... really could have been a news anchor. You, yeah, you are so <laughs> you're so close. There was just a few things holding you back. The ability to read out loud and segue <laughs> <laughs> segue execution. <laughs> It feels like an execution sometimes when you're doing your segues. <laughs> hey oh. All right. Hang on. There's... Hang on. Nope, never mind. Your soundboard not working? Uh, I don't what were the... you trying to make it? I don't thought? have the volume on. I know one of the one of the six buttons that I have is uh but I I just picked one. I don't know what it is. <laughs> it's still going, so it's not that awesome. This is what everybody was missing. Do you want to see week. what it is? No. Oh, it's an applause. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> you're welcome. All right. Thirty second Sunday in ordinary time. Man, this year, this liturgical year somehow feels like it's just really dragging on. But here we are, 32nd Sunday. In ordinary time, um, our first reading comes from first letter, or not first letter. First Kings. What does that mean? What? (laughs) That it's dragging on. I I just feel like this ordinary time thing. Woof. Just keep going, keep going. I'm ready for some Advent. You ready for some Advent, some waiting? Yeah. I've been waiting for some waiting. Yeah, I'm waiting for waiting. Do you want Christ to be the king before we get to Advent? Or you just want to go straight to Advent? I mean, I could do it however he wants, I guess. That means he doesn't know the right answer. Yep, I don't. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> Stop it. <laughs> Great. Podcast. Let's do it. Two-minute drill. First, <laughs> just a couple weeks ago, we were getting dogged on by the Archbishop about our six-minute long two-minute drill. <laughs> but, all right. Uh, first Kings. So Elijah gets to town. He hollers at this widow. He says, give me a cup of water and, and some food. And she's like, hey, I got a tiny little bit of, of flour, a tiny little bit of oil. I'm gonna, I was going to make some food for my son and I, and then we're going to die, which seems extreme. But she didn't have any food. She couldn't eat. And he says, you know what? Bake me a cake. <laughs> I'm going to do you one better. Yeah. You bake me a cake, and then when you do, you'll have all the flour and oil you ever need. And then it says that they never went hungry again, and they ate for over a year, and the flour and oil never ran out. So good on you, Elijah. Good on you. Good on you. Uh, our response to psalm is Psalm 146. <laughs> <laughs> As Father deeply reviews the readings, uh, praise the Lord, my soul. Actually, exclamation point! Praise the Lord, my soul. Or Scott, uh, Alleluia, Alleluia. Question absolutely. mark. Alleluia, Alleluia. Yeah. Um, and then the second reading is the second letter to the Hebrews, or no, is letter to the Hebrews. I'm I can't even read my own writing. Um, and it talks about how Christ sanctuary doesn't look like the sanctuary like the sanctuary he walks into it's not some replica of what we have here on earth his sanctuary is heaven and he doesn't do like the high priests and bring sacrifices every time he comes uh, but at the end of ages ages is when his sacrifice is humans die once but christ offered to take sin away once and only once in the same exact way his second coming is about salvation not about coming back again to forgive sin hmm. it's a one-time thing and then he's and then he's He's taking care of it. And then the gospel reading, we have a long and a short form. I really wanted to do the short form. Father Dufresne says we're going to do the long form. So I'm going to do the long form. But it's not so long. It's not It's, not. Long. it's really not. Uh, it comes from the gospel of Mark chapter 12. In the course of his teaching, Jesus said to the crowds, beware of the scribes who like to go around in long robes and accept greetings in the marketplaces, seats of honor in synagogues, and places of honor at banquets. They devour the houses of widows and as a pretext, recite lengthy prayers. They will receive a very severe condemnation. He sat down opposite the treasury and observed how the crowd put money into the treasury. Many rich people put in large sums. A poor widow also came and put in two small coins worth a few cents. Calling his disciples to himself, he said to them, Amen, I say to you, this poor widow put in more than all the other contributors to the treasury, for they have all contributed from their surplus wealth, but she, from her poverty, has contributed all that she had, her whole livelihood. Hmm. Thank you, Joe. You're welcome. Father Dufresne, any, uh, any corrections to the minutes this week? Um, I believe the Alleluia has a period after it instead of a, mm. a oh, question mark. But, You've uh, never been corrected in the two-minute drill. This is great. <laughs> yeah, I usually just have witty response. Like, I didn't even give any content other than Alleluia, the one thing that I said. No. Yeah. It, incorrect. That was a... An excellent two-minute drill. Oh, thank you. How long was it, Scott? Oh, uh, we're, I mean, we're seven minutes in, so okay. minus the three-minute three minute banter, probably four minutes. Okay. Ish. Yeah, good yeah. on me. Yeah, good on you. Thanks. Um, another great thing I'm at, good at, accents. Oh, it's awful. Don't do it. Um, that'll, that'll, are you going to do podcast. some accents? He should not. Well, why not? <laughs> it's the worst accent person <laughs> I've ever known. <laughs> What was that an attempt at? I don't, uh, it was just an accent. It's just one category. 
there's the way I talk, and then the alternate way that I talk. And the way everybody a, else talks. Which is an accent. <laughs> oh, my. Um, Father, you know, I, I'm, I'm reading these readings, and, I, you know, just like any time you go out to dinner, or have you ever been to, like, Gray's Cafeteria or one of those places where you get a tray and you go down the line, mm-hmm. um, but the first thing they put there is dessert, right? And I feel like yeah. that's the way this readings was. It's like, first thing you talk about is cake. And then the rest was history for me. So, like, I'm not sure how you preach this week without talking about cake. I'm assuming that's part of it. Maybe it's not. But what are you preaching about this weekend? Well, I uh, I felt really kind of accused a little bit when I was reading this gospel. <laughs> By you me? know, no, oh, okay. no, not when you oh. were reading the gospel, but when I was looking at it. I mean, if you look at these look at these first lines, so beware of the scribes. Mm-hmm. who like to go around in long robes and accept greetings in the marketplaces, <laughs> seats of honor and synagogues. So as you all can see, the listeners can't see right now. But <laughs> I'm taking pictures to post I'm, with the podcast, don't yeah. worry. I'm wearing <laughs> a long a robe. Long robe. <laughs> and it's a bathrobe, which is weird. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> Nobody has a bathrobe with 33 buttons. That's true. <laughs> um, so... You've and then, counted them. No, but bu- oh, because bougie priests make sure everyone knows how many buttons are on their cassock. Wow. Does, it, does it depend <laughs> on your height or is it? It's the number of years that Christ lived on earth. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. Are they cloth buttons or plastic? I think they're, I, they're, they have cloth on the outside and it's probably plastic on the inside. Okay. But you, I digress. Was that, where was it made? Is that an Italian This one? is from Chicago. Chicago. Mm-hmm. But anyway, so if you go to a church, our version of a synagogue, right, more or less, I sit in a place of honor, right? Mm -hmm. There's, I I never have to worry about where I'm sitting because it's reserved. Typically a bigger chair. Yeah. So I felt a little bit accused here. Um, It seems fair now, (laughs) now that you say it. Well, you know, part of, part of the purpose of a, I didn't want to preach about a cassock. I didn't, I wasn't planning on going in this direction, but part of the purpose is actually to hide the person, right? So that you, you, you cover the, the person so that it's easier to see Christ, right? That's part Hmm. of the, part of the purpose of, of priestly vestments as well. You're like not only showing honor to Christ who the priest is standing in, in their place, but you are, Okay, so you it's it is to clothe Any, anyway, yeah. So par, part of it is to cover up the person mm-hmm. of the priest so that you, it's easier to, for them to be an image of Christ. Um, although it does draw people's attention, um, it's not the primary purpose, right? Everybody look at me. Um, but historically, it was a more common looking sure garb. Now, a cassock really sticks out when you see just a, like a grown man walking along in a thirty-three button dress. Yeah, which is not what it is, but um, from to I, yeah. the to the regular observer, sure. But uh, anyway, so feeling kind of spoken to, particularly by this gospel, and I was trying to think of how um, how in these readings the Lord is kind of speaking directly to to families in particular, which I know most. Most of your audience that isn't priests preparing for their homily this weekend. <laughs> um, so the uh, I was really struck 
by these bookends. You know, you start with the with a widow, right, at Zarephath, and and Elijah, and you end with a widow in the temple. Hmm. And so, you, I mean, you know, you guys know usually the first reading and the and the gospel have some sure. kind of relationship, but both of these widows have to give really more than I would want to give in their situation, right? They're, the, you have the widow in the temple that's giving these two small coins, and Jesus makes it very clear that this is all that she has. It's not like she's, she's scraped up two extra small coins. She's throwing in the temple treasury all that she has. Mm-hmm. And then this widow, uh, really, in, in the encounter with Elijah, in more dire circumstances, like she's just preparing to, to die and uh, with her son. And she gives... Elijah, the last little bit that she has. Um, and that's a real act of faith on her part. You know, Elijah says to her, give me, give me a cake. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, give me your last little bit of food that you need to survive. And your jar of oil will not run dry, right? And you'll, you'll have food throughout this drought, right? The jar of flour and the jar of oil. So thinking of my life, our lives today, what struck me is that in both of these stories, what Elijah wants and what Jesus praises the widow for giving is everything, hmm. right? And I, I've, the, the parents, uh, young married couples that I've talked to, a lot of the families that I work with, we talk a lot about prayer. I try to encourage people to pray. That's kind of what sure. we're in the business of, one of, right? One of the bullet points in the job description, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. So help help people to pray. Well, a, a lot of times I hear from people, you know, I don't have time to pray. When am I supposed to pray? And I know that's a real concern for a lot of people who, when you factor in work, when you factor mm-hmm. in getting the kids ready to ready for school and to school, when you factor in picking them up and driving them everywhere you go, I don't have time. That's a common story that I hear. And then another story that I hear is, you know, Father, I really want to pray. And by the time I sit down in my prayer corner, by the time I make it to the Adoration Chapel, I always feel like I'm just so exhausted that I don't have anything to give to the Lord. Speak in my language. Yeah. And, and so, and, and, you know, there are days when I, I, I went down to the chapel this morning and I was just... I just thought, boy, I really wish I'd hit this news button and I'm falling asleep <laughs> here in front of the Lord. And, and, and so in those moments, we can, we can start to self-condemn a little bit. Like, I wish I could give more attention or I wish I were giving better time to the Lord, right? Well, I think these stories speak to both of those situations because the Lord is making it clear that he's not concerned with the amount right? He's not concerned with the two coins. He's not concerned with, you know, Elijah's not like, actually, I want two cakes instead of one cake. Like, Mm -hmm. I'm kind of hungry. He's concerned with the percentage, right? Mm -hmm. So it's not about, I can give the Lord this much, or I can give the Lord this much attention. It's about, am I giving him all that I have, Mm -hmm. right? And this the, the both the widows are giving everything that they have trusting in God 
So for us in our prayer, I, I really took from, from this in, in my prayer with these stories, you know, we have to make an act of faith. You know, if you're, if you're the person that's saying, Father, I just don't have enough time in my life for prayer every day. If you're thinking, how am I going to make time for even 15 minutes to sit still, you know, to pray the rosary, to read the scriptures, whatever it is, I just don't have time. Well, this widow didn't have very much flour and oil, right? Right. In the first reading. And yet when she gives all the flour and oil that she has in faith first to Elijah, she has enough to go on for a year, right? There's, a, there's an active faith there that I really would challenge people. If you're sitting there thinking, I just don't have time to pray, block out time for prayer first, right? Mm-hmm. The little time that you, the time that you don't have or the little time that you do have, give that to the Lord, right? And, and I would say in my life and in my experience, like the Lord absolutely gives back in those times. Like there, there have been times where when having a young family or a young family and as they get older and having a family and times that my wife and I, where we've struggled um, in our lives, getting to mass on Sundays and praying as a family and just making those points. Like it's hard and it's way easier to not, it's the easier move is to not do it. Absolutely. It's easy to say I'm too busy and not pray. It's harder to do it, but the reward, like I, I remember the point where we hit and I just said, our Sunday is always so much better when we just get up and go. When we just get up and go and we go to church and we have that experience of our faith in, in the, the miracle of the Eucharist, but the community as well and all of that and just feeling that rejuvenation, there's so much more to go with then and to take forward. And like I would, I, I'm glad to be at a point in my life where I'd happily offer up that sleep for that experience because I know that that is going to be more valuable. And, and the same with our prayer life, the same. I'm excited. I love working for a company where we pray together daily. Like we make that a point. It becomes a big part of what we're doing because it also helps focus us and helps drive us and, and invites God into the conversation of what we're doing. Yeah, and this is, it's sustaining, right? Mm-hmm. So you, you look at the other course of action that that widow could have <clears throat> taken and she's like, you know what? On second thought, man, I'm just going to make this cake for me and then die. And then I'm going to die. But she, she chooses to give the, the little and all that she has. And then it sustains them for a year. Yeah. Um, and that that gift of prayer, like think the what are the alternatives, right? So you you can you can flip on the television, you can scroll through social media, you can, I mean, I'm just thinking of all the things that are not life giving, yeah. Um, that that kind of suck the life out of us, and yet prayer is one of these things that it's it's a challenge, it's a battle, but it's it's sustaining. So that that's what I would say out of these readings of those people who are like, I just I just don't have time. With, with my kids, with my work, with, with all this stuff. I don't have time to pray every day. Like maybe can I just pray like every other day or can I just pray like <laughs> when I come to mass on Sunday? And it's like Jesus doesn't want your like every other day. Like he's, he's pursuing you, right? Well, and, and it's a tough pill to swallow, but I think oftentimes saying that you don't have time shows the level of priority you're putting on that thing. Like you have time to do, even at the busiest, like you have time to do things like feed your kids and get them, like keep them alive and like do, you have time to do the things that you value yeah. and you need to work into your day. It's about, it's, it's not just about making the time to pray, but valuing that prayer 
at a point where it becomes the first thing you focus on and you know that it will make you better at those other things. Sure. And I, so, so I think there's a word of challenge in here to, to people who struggle to make time to pray or be convinced that that's important every day. And I think there's a real word of encouragement in the gospel for the people who are like showing up and you're exhausted and you feel distracted and you feel like, well, this prayer, is it really worth anything? Like mm -hmm. I need to, I need to shape up in prayer and I need to, I need to pray better. You're kind of judging the quality of your prayer. I think the, the widow in the gospel is a great word of encouragement of Jesus's praise for her offering. It's a small offering, but it's all that she has. And sometimes there are those moments where you're, you walk in, you sit down and you don't have much, the tank's empty, but you're giving all that you have to the Lord. And that's a pleasing offering to him. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's important for us to remember that. I think like one of the things that, that frustrates me and I'm, I'm trying not to make this sound complainy, but every, it seems like times when I do schedule at first and, you know, wake up five thirty, you know, like earlier than I normally would it, in the morning, undoubtedly one of the kids would wake up at that exact same, like I'd sit down, make myself a cup of coffee and, you know, then just get super frustrated with that, that process of, okay, now a kid's awake. I have to do this and that does become, but one of the things that has helped me through this and my wife and I worked on a, on a way to do this is like, my goal also is to get my spouse to heaven and oppositely my wife's goal is to get me to heaven. And one of the things that we do is we try to make time for each other to pray. So like we have a time of adoration and one week I go and one week she goes, or, you know, we make time to pray together, but even even in this whole process, like just having that ability of having someone to be help hold you accountable to and to help support you in that is for me huge. Yeah, that's beautiful. Just to like even a little bit of, okay, I got your back. You go pray. You take time with the Lord mm -hmm. and, and I'll take care of this. I think the other piece of that is there are times for all of us when our vocation calls us away from what we've scheduled for the day, right? Right. And there are times when you got to leave your holy hour to go attend to your kids or to your parishioners or to, you know, in some way. And, um, but not to, not to let that be discouraging, like to, to see the Lord where he is in the interruptions, just like he is in the scheduled time. Mm -hmm. That's a good way to put that. That's a nice, that's a nice bow on today's conversation. Anything else on today's gospel, gentlemen? I don't think so. This no. be a, this gospel would be a great weekend to launch a campaign. What kind of a campaign? Like a capital campaign. I'm saying, like if you oh. were if you were a, par <laughs> a pastor and you got you had some fundraising to do, man, this would be the weekend to talk about it. Yeah, need an HVAC system. Let's do it. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah, the uh, every little bit counts. Um. Are we ready to do some dumb questions? Is it that time? I think it is that time. Let's do it. It's time for Jeff's Dumb Questions. The part in the show where the glow of the flame of knowledge grows a little dimmer and our collective IQ goes down a few points, all thanks to Jeff. We're sorry. All right. Dumb questions. This always makes me nervous. Our first, it should. Our first, uh, our first dumb question is going to be about dumb phones. Oh, 
because uh, we well recently done. learned that Father Dufresne gave up his smartphone for a dumb phone. A dumb phone. A little flip phone. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we started to talk about this before we were recording, and we decided to hold off on the conversation because I'd love to hear a little bit more about your reasoning How and what has that been like. You said it was an experiment, and so I'm really curious. I feel sure. like uh, oftentimes a move like this is just out of like anger or frustration or there's something that just causes a person to just say, I've, I'm done, and they just do it. But it sounds like this is a little more calculated for you. Can you talk to tell us a little bit about it? Sure. So yeah, when I when I switched over to to my flip phone, um, I did not also make a tinfoil hat at the same time. <laughs> um, and and I I is it, is it harder for the NSA to listen in on your <laughs> flip phone or easier? I, I have no idea. Um, but they, uh, but they can subscribe and download this podcast. They can and hear all of my homiletic thoughts. There you go. Um, so honestly, I think there are a lot of times when I wanted to make this decision that it would have been out of like anger, frustration or, or like forcing myself to do it. But I, I was able to make it from a place of freedom for two reasons. Um, one, because I was just kind of in a place of curiosity. Like, can I, can I really live without my smartphone? Cause I'm staring at this thing all the dang time. Yeah. Right. And there are times when I would open up my phone and I'd be like confused about what I was about to do. And it's like, what am I looking for? It's like, well, I'm not, whatever I'm looking for, I'm not going to find it here. Right. Um, so I, I think it was part of a challenge and kind of curiosity for me personally. But uh, would you believe that it's mostly homily prep? I know you have a low opinion of how much homily prep I do because of things that I've said in past podcast episodes. Because, well, if you listen to our podcast, I assume you do little to no homily prep. But. <laughs> you just pull up iTunes and <laughs> just play, play the from podcast your, from your not anymore. You can't yeah. play our podcast on the on put from the, the phone pulpit. up to the microphone. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so I, I've. I've heard a lot of stories. I've been having a lot of conversations lately about how technology is affecting young people, yeah, particularly children. Um, and I, I want to be clear at the at the beginning, like I'm not saying all technology is bad, right? Like mm-hmm. yeah, technological but... technological devices and technology in general are kind of neutral. However, like unfettered access and unmonitored access to the internet is really destructive for a lot of young people. Um, or old people. I mean, or old, yeah, yeah. or old people for a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah. And so, um, so I've, I've been feeling a call out of these conversations to, to really tackle this topic and it's going to, it's going to take a lot of research. I'm reading, um, reading a book. I've been reading some articles and, and doing a little bit of research on, cause there are things that I, I mean, I went into seminary and I basically like gave up social media. I mean, voluntarily, like just didn't, yeah. I didn't, I didn't need it anymore. Mm-hmm. And so like, I don't know anything about TikTok or like new stuff like that. I was aged out at like Twitter. <laughs> um, so I'm doing some research, but part of it is if I'm going to preach um, about taking a step like this in your life or, and, and I'm not, I don't think necessarily everybody should have a dumb phone, but if I'm going to preach about limiting or or kind of putting technology in its place in your life, I'd, 
I think I need to do it first. Well, that was a really um, balanced and good answer, and I was wishing we had something like a little more crazy. But you needed a, a more a spicier take than that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was it was actually just really good. Dang yeah. it, good job. <laughs> um, all right, my second dumb question. But sorry, if you were done. Sorry, go is ahead. It, like, is it a razor? What kind of? Oh, <laughs> so it's from. Sorry, I don't. Is it a do jitterbug? It. No, jitterbug. That'd be awesome if okay. you had one of those old people jitterbug. Phones. So it's got a screen on the front. Is this? And you can, okay, I understand. Are Thank your you. thumbs getting stronger doing T9 texting? <laughs> Actually, T9 has changed, and now it's like suggesting words, and it, it's just. So you feel like you're cheating? It does yeah. text, though. You, it does text. You can text. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. All right, my second dumb question. I recently was hearing a little bit about the concept of theology of place, and somebody told me I should ask you to help to just briefly explain the glories of theology of place to us. Okay. Um, so theology of place <laughs> is really, I mean, it's, it's something that's growing in, uh, in American Protestant circles a lot, uh, and it's starting to make its way into Catholic circles thanks to a lot of, um, or thanks to a few people that have shown interest in it. So I, I heard about theology of place probably from the same person that you did, I'm guessing, um, but our, our frequent recommend somebody Peter got a, yeah, somebody who got our, a doctorate. Yeah. But <laughs> theology of place is, is easiest to understand if you just think of the incarnation, right? What did God do when, uh, when he became man and dwelt among us, right? Jesus was born in a particular place. He was born in Bethlehem. He grew up in Nazareth, right? His family went to Egypt. So the, the rooted in Christianity is this this embodiedness, this incarnate reality of God's presence with us, uh, and so just like um, just like any other part of our life, our faith is should be connected to the the place where we are, right? And and this was very this was just kind of assumed up until you know you have cars and you know there was actually an allowance in canon law for people to miss mass if they lived more than a certain number of miles from their church because of the hardship of traveling. Oh, and it wow. was, it wasn't something extreme. It, it was like, I think it was like 20 to 50 or 60 miles. Um, was that past tense? Is that no longer? Past tense. Yeah. I mean, we've got cars now. So you, what about like in the middle of like, I don't know, Canada? I don't know. You'd have to ask a Canon lawyer about that. Okay. A Canadian. Canadian. A Canadian, anyway, Canadian lawyer. <laughs> Sorry, so, there was a joke there somewhere, and I was, I was trying. No, it's I, good. I think everybody got it. Good. The, theology of place Except really come. <laughs> Get it? No, because it's Canada. <laughs> but you said canon. Yeah. Okay. Canon. Yeah. Lawyer. Still okay. Canada's the I'm country here. I'm there. above us. I know that's where my family's from. Oh. So. Um, you have a very mounty look about you. <laughs> so, so anyway, theology of Probably place. Just a hat. If you think about, if you think about practices like pilgrimages, yeah. you're going to a particular place where saints' remains are, right? Because it's holy. It's theology of place is basically recognizing God dwells among us. God is Emmanuel. Jesus is Emmanuel. God with yeah. us, right? And so our lives should be lived in a particular place. Our faith should be connected to that. So there, we, to be, to try to be brief about it, which I'm not doing a good job of. Yeah, I, um, I said briefly, but that's all right. 
we live above place a lot of times, which means like, you know, I mean, I drove 20 minutes down here to record with you all. And now I'm going to drive 20 minutes back to have an appointment. And then I drive, you know, so I, I don't live within my parish boundaries. Right. And you I don't, don't stay there. I don't yeah. stay there. I, I don't even live there. I don't go to the grocery store there. Like I go to the grocery store on this side of town. I go to this store on that side of town. So there's but you a, don't live in your parish boundaries. No, I live at the cathedral. I didn't know that. Yeah. So no, is there no rectory at St. Philip? Um, there, there is not, Oh no, not a dedicated rectory space. Interesting. So wow. anyway, but so theology of places is essentially trying to anchor our life of faith back to a particular place. Um, and the people that inhabit that. Place. And when we say place, we say like location, right? Location. Like, like yeah. physical location on the earth. So like every parish, except for Holy Rosary and the diocese has physical boundaries, mm. a territory. That right? don't seem to actually matter. Yeah, exactly. And this is part of theology of places saying the parish is a, a portion of the people of God within these boundaries. And so we want to be that community that's in these boundaries, right? And not drive like five parishes over or, um, but anyway, that I don't think I gave a very good. I'm getting glared at because I don't live in my parish boundaries <laughs> by Scott. I, I, I don't think I gave a, no, you did, you did a good of... job. Well, we'll get a grade on it. Father Peter was who told me to ask you that question. Dang so. it. <laughs> we'll get a grade from him on how you did. <laughs> oh, well, it won't be a good grade, but that's all right. Sorry, you should have just said, well, parish boundaries don't matter and place is worthless. And then he would have really gotten mad. Anyway. You said it for me. Well, that's also what the papal bulletino said recently, too. But anyway. All right. Well, that's, that's all I got. That's Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thanks for having me. Father, thanks for joining us. This was, thanks for driving 20 minutes here and driving back. And then, yeah, <laughs> this is awesome. And then going to get your groceries, <laughs> not living in your boundaries. All right. It's all right, because I'm all set for. It's all right, because I'm all set for. It's all right, because I'm all set for Sunday.